Welcome to the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast, where we talk with the leading minds in cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. I am your host, Ben Amaralt. I'm the marketing manager at Medicinal Genomics and proud member of the team that puts on the CanMed conference. Speaking of the CanMed conference, have you gotten your tickets yet for CanMed 2022? If yes, then I can't wait to see you out in Pasadena this May for another fantastic event. And if not, what are you waiting for? Head over to CanMedEvents.com now to get your tickets. At CanMed 2022, you will learn from the leading minds in cannabis science, medicine, cultivation, and safety testing. And if you want proof of that, look no further than our keynote presenters. Representing our science focus area, we have Dr. Ethan Rousseau presenting about cannabis and psychiatry. Representing our cultivation focus area, we have Dr. Seth Crawford talking about innovations in hemp breeding. Grace Bandong, our safety keynote presenter, will talk about building a comprehensive analytical testing program. And finally, Dr. Bonnie Goldstein will discuss cannabis medicine for children as our medical keynote. Those presentations alone are worth the price of admission, but please go to canmedevents.com to see the full schedule. And if you want a preview of what you can expect at CanMed 2022, check out our CanMed archive, which is a searchable video library of all the past CanMed presentations and panels. Find that at canmedevents.com. At this year's event, we are also offering a full-day pre-conference medical practicum taking place on May 3rd. The medical practicum is led by Dr. Bonnie Goldstein, Dr. Dustin Sulak, Dr. Kevin Spellman, and Eloise Thiessen. Each of them will share the latest medical cannabis research, including information on dosing, drug interactions, and different product types. They will also share their clinical experience they have acquired treating patients with medical cannabis. This really is a must-attend event for any healthcare professionals who are interested in recommending medical cannabis, but it's not limited to those folks. Anyone who is interested in learning more about medical cannabis can and should join us for this event. Head over to canmedevents.com practicum to learn more. Of course, if you can't make it to CanMed 2022, we have a number of resources to help you stay engaged with our community and enjoy some world-class educational content. You are already off to a good start listening to the CanMed Coffee Talk podcast. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so new episodes download to your device automatically. Second, we have the CanMed archive that I mentioned earlier. It's a searchable video library of all the past CanMed presentations and panels that you can find at canmedevents.com. While you're at canmedevents.com, be sure to sign up for email alerts. That's the best way to make sure you are up to date on all the latest CanMed news and special offers. Fourth, we have our CanMed community Facebook group, which is a great place to share and discuss news and topics related to cannabis science. The link to that group is in the show description. And finally, you can follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Just search for CanMed Events. This episode, I spoke with Jamie Brambila, who's the co-owner and founder of Grace Health and Wellness and Heed CBD. Jamie and his wife, Nicole, specialize in coaching and educating patients about the clinical use of cannabinoids and other plant-based medicines. The principal aspects of their mission are to democratize plant-based medicine and democratize the science. 
taking the complex pharmacological information and breaking it down so everyone can understand the therapeutic potential. At CAMED 2022, Jamie will present a case study in which the combined use of cannabis, psilocybin, a ketogenic diet, and conventional oncology treatments induced remission in a stage 4 metastatic breast cancer patient. That patient just so happens to be Jamie's wife, Nicole. During our conversation, we discuss the lack of awareness and training amongst physicians about the clinical use of cannabis, the enduring stigma around cannabis use, how cannabis can be used to treat cancer, how Jamie and Nicole built the infrastructure necessary to have access to consistent, high-quality, pharmaceutical-grade cannabis medicines to treat her cancer. We also talk about the barriers that prevent other patients from accessing that same quality, consistent cannabis medicine. And finally, we discuss the collaborative project that Jamie and Nicole have assembled to take cannabis formulations against cancer through the drug approval process. Before we get to my conversation with Jamie, I wanted to thank this episode's sponsor, Grace Health and Wellness. Grace Health and Wellness aims to enrich healthcare through compassion, empathy, and scientific knowledge so we may turn the corner and achieve a better age of holistic well-being, nourishing mind, body, and soul. They do so by producing effective plant-based medicines for individuals seeking alternative therapies. Learn more at gracehw.com. Okay, and without any further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Jamie Brambilla. Good afternoon, Jamie. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. Hi, Ben. Thank you for having me on. So I'm really excited to talk with you today because I know you and your wife, Nicole, have had an amazing cannabis journey that spans both your professional and personal lives. Um, so I think the best place to start is for you to tell the audience about how you got started in the cannabis field and sort of the events that have got you to where you are today. Sure. Oh, and first of all, I wanted to just uh, express my gratitude for being on your podcast. I think you really are doing a great job uh, putting these podcasts together for before the convention. So, yeah, we got started in the uh, cannabis space uh, back in 2016. Uh, we had a small delivery service out in Southern California. And initially we had gotten into the space because we thought it was a, a good business opportunity. Quickly, we found out that all that green rush uh, rhetoric was just uh, an illusion. <laughs> and we started um, focusing on really trying to help out people because we started getting phone calls from people that were in dire straits uh, looking for answers with cannabis. Mothers that had uh, children with epilepsy, uh, autism, uh, people that had cancer, severe neurological disorders. And so we really wanted to provide them with the best uh, information, the most practical information for them to find efficacy uh, using cannabis medicines. And that's kind of how we uh, got here. Uh, when in the middle of our research, trying to search for answers for patients, my wife, Nicole, was diagnosed with uh, stage four metastatic breast cancer. And automatically, you know, it was a no-brainer to, to use all of the uh, knowledge that we had gained to help her. Uh, because we knew that can cannabis could save her life. Wow. So 
I think so. You're obviously kind of in a unique position there, um, having had experience with medical cannabis and knowing that it could be effective for your wife's diagnosis. How did you first tackle that? How did you first apply the knowledge that you had gained in the industry to helping her? So we we knew that uh, even though it, it's a pretty nascent science, uh, the understanding the concept of cannabis uh, turning off a cancer cell. We understood enough to try to pursue this. Um, you know, there's no clear reference as to what type of cannabis uh, strain will res positively response, uh, respond against uh, a cancer cell line. So we did our research. Um, you know, we, we placed it up to God and, and we gave it a chance and we had excellent results as a result. Uh, we were privileged to enjoy those results because we know that for a lot of people, that this uh, is not an option simply because they don't have access to it. Yeah. And, you know, we always talk about how there's sort of a number of different variables here in order to kind of find an effective treatment, right? Because first there's a, a number of different types of cancer, you know, you know, cancer is sort of an umbrella term that describes a lot of different conditions. And then of course, on the medicine side, on the, on the strain side, there's a lot of different um, chemical profiles in these strains that are all kind of grouped under cannabis. So how did you go about, you know, identifying which strains might be effective for your particular case or your wife's particular case? Sure. So we, you know, we were very fortunate to have uh, people that were very knowledgeable about uh, this subject around us. Um, we have, uh, we've been very privileged to have the guidance uh, of practitioners that have a lot of experience with this. And, you know, at the end of it, at the end of it, we had to make an educated guess to figure out what to use for Nicole, specifically because of all the, all the factors that you mentioned that are involved. You know, I think that as we go uh, further in exploring this topic, we're going to find out that there's a lot of specificity between, uh, you know, the patient's genotype, uh, the plant's genotype, the chemotype expression, how to bridge the gap between all those three parameters, right? It, it almost seems like it's individualized medicine uh, that we Absolutely. need to uh, adopt to figure this out. And so, you know, for us, uh, it, was, it was just a matter of um, doing our homework. Um, we would focus on strains that have really white profiles of um, minor cannabinoid groups. And, uh, you know, our strains are proprietary, but I'll, I'll tell you this, um, they're strains that are closely related to their wild ancestors, uh, if that mm -hmm. makes any sense. Sure. Sure. So you mentioned that you were fortunate to have access to a lot of great doctors who had, you know, experience using medical cannabis. Um, what was your experience working with other doctors who maybe weren't in the cannabis space, but you were, you know, in the course of treatment, telling them that you were going to use cannabis? What was their reaction? Were they supportive? Were they knowledgeable? Um, your thoughts? Yeah, that's that's a great question, Ben. It, it's actually uh, prompted us to take on our mission, really, because we still have a medical system that looks at cannabis, regular cannabis use as a cannabis substance use disorder. Mm. The idea for physicians at large 
to use uh, cannabis therapy um, on a consistent basis, we're still a long way to figuring that out in the clinics. We're still a long way for, for doctors to adopt that. And from our personal experience, I can tell you that when we were trying to look for uh, the best cancer uh, care for Nicole, you know, we were living in Southern California at the time. We moved uh, to the New York tri-state area specifically to look for the best cancer clinic uh, that we could possibly source for Nicole. We had the opportunity of having an oncologist that was a world-renowned drug discovery uh, researcher, uh, very well-versed in targeted therapies. We exposed um, the science to the doctor. We explained that we were using uh, cannabis in the context of trying to find a solution for cancer. And, you know, even though she saw the results, she saw the scans with her own eyes, she couldn't explain the results. At the end of the day, you know, she told us, well, you know, you're part of the uh, very few uh, and very lucky people that get a uh, uh, a result like this but I don't know anything about the science. So we still have an old guard uh, in, the, uh, in the medical science community that's still holding strong. And I really believe that it's because of the stigma that cannabis um, has tied to it. You know, it, even though this is thoroughly researched in preclinical um, essays, we still have a medical community that is unwilling to look at this because they have their preconceived notions about cannabis. Yeah. How much of that do you think comes down to like a lack of training as well? Because I know that, you know, healthcare professionals, they're not learning about the endocannabinoid system in their training. Correct. That's, that's, uh, that's one of the big reasons. So we don't, we don't have proper training for um, medical professionals to understand this uh, very complex system in our physiology. In fact, you know, we've, we've done a lot of advocacy and a lot of uh, trying to raise awareness for the benefit of patients to, to have a, an open relationship with their physician about the use. And, you know, it's not, um, it's not something that they can even wrap their head around. Uh, some doctors believe that, you know, the endocannabinoid system or, or nowadays how we... Um, how we know it as the an, an endocannabinoid dome uh, is 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 too good to be true for them, in short. And so, to understand such a complex system of um, ligands and receptors, uh, interacting interacting compounds, um, cannabinoid mediators, you know, all firing throughout our system at the same time, perfectly choreographed to create a balance throughout all of our physiology, it's a hard concept to bring across. Um, and so, you know, some universities are adopting, are looking at the science and adopting courses to, to educate uh, people that are willing to, to learn, but it's still for the cannabis enthusiast. It's not part of a medical curriculum yet. And so we need, we need this to be looked as a uh, as a viable uh, clinical approach um, in medicine. That's the only way that we're going to get this into the clinics. And this is a reality that we have to grapple with if we, if we really want to see this uh, back again in the U.S. pharmacopoeia. Yeah, we agree 100%, especially here on the, on the CanMed side, where we're trying to do our part. We're partnering with uh, our good friends, Bonnie Goldstein, Dustin Sulak, Kevin Spellman, and Eloise Thiessen, they're leading our 
one day medical practicum where we invite healthcare providers and anyone who's interested to come and, and get sort of a one day crash course, masterclass, whatever you want to call it from, you know, some of the real Titans in the industry. So um, if there's any healthcare providers out there who feel like they need, they need a primer on the endocannabinoid system and all the things that cannabis can do in the clinical setting, please definitely check that out. Yeah. That's, that's a wonderful opportunity that you guys offer because you have, some of the most brilliant minds uh, giving instruction on this topic, which is, you know, it, it's a rare thing. Yeah. And, and like you said, when you were sort of early in your cannabis journey, when you were on the side of, you know, being a, a medicine provider, you, you saw firsthand that how many people are lacking guidance, for lack of a better term. You know, they know that cannabis can be helpful for their condition, but they just don't know where to turn. Um, so I think we, as a, as a cannabis community really need to do our part to help, um, educate those providers so that they can, um, so they can help their patients. Right. No, that's such an important part. And, um, you know, bridging that gap of, you know, giving enough information for physicians to confidently prescribe this to patients, we need to do a lot of work with that. We need to do a lot of work with that. And, you know, the cannabis education plays a big role. Having consistent and reliable supplies of pharmaceutical grade botanical uh, drug preparations. You know, it sounds like a soup of uh, letters there, but the the viability of having these available in dispensaries, we're still a long way of uh, from from having these available to people. Um, at dispensaries, you know, they focus on creating a CPG product that's going to be good for the consumer. That's going to be, that's going to sell. They're not looking at, um, you know, consistent reproducibility, reproducibility with chemotype expression so that if a person that uses this and is able to correct symptoms of chronic disease, they can go back and source the same product over and over. We still have, are a long way from from uh, having access to that type of formulation. And so we lived through that throughout our own experience with Nicole. Mm -hmm. I really want to just uh, emphasize this because we were very lucky to be in an industry, uh, to be established in an industry, to already know uh, how to produce these formulations. And just to give you an example of all of the infrastructure that we had to build, all the know-how that we had to uh, create, um, all the parameters that we had to consider, you know, we had to, first we had to source the strains that we thought were going to produce the anti-cancer effect. We had to convince seed banks to share their genetics with us. We had to source uh, cultivators that had the capabilities of growing these plants in controlled environment and that we're willing to set aside a production um, space to exclusively grow these uh, strains for us. We had to learn sophisticated methods of, um, of extraction so that we made sure to extract all the therapeutic compounds uh, from the flower. And while still maintaining uh, chemical integrity of the uh, cannabinoid groups, we really believe that the acid cannabinoid groups have a lot of potential. Mm. And, you know, to tie all this together, we had to figure out um, quality testing to 
to really make sure that we were getting the same uh, chemotype expression, to make sure that the quality of the product was always the same for Nicole. And of course, the clinical guidance, right? You know, how do you start off with a particular dosage, with a starting dosage? How do, how do you titrate slowly to avoid side effects? And then how do you make um, such a, a robust cannabis regimen functional for a person? You know, that, those, are the, those are the very critical points that most patients do not have access to. You know, right. most people are not going to build a lab to, you know, uh, get consistent uh, supply of cannabis flower to produce their own cannabis medicines and put together all this infrastructure. It's just not, it's not uh, realistic. So this is why we have to make these available for people. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing that you were able to to put all that together, literally from like uh, not seed to sale. But you know, we say that term as kind of you know to express the whole life cycle of a of a product. But you've certainly done that. Um, so yeah, I, you're right. I think the average the average patient, the average consumer, certainly doesn't have the resources or the know how to put something together like that. So, so what do they do? <laughs> well, so you know, it's uh, it, it's it's a sad thing that we don't have this available for patients because. You know, we see it all the time. We see it in the infusion rooms when we see people that are going through the harshest of, of cancer treatments and doctors don't have the, the effective tools to deal with those side effects yet. So mm -hmm. we have anti-emetics, we have anti-pain uh, medication, we have anti-anxiety medication. At the end of the day, it may or may not work for a patient. Some patients take it diligently and, you know, they become numb to their situation. You know, mm -hmm. that's the reality of the situation. Cannabis such, does such a great job at getting rid of those, um, those side effects. And doctors know this. You know, we, we've known this since the 80s, since the 70s. We've, we, you know, under the table, doctors will recommend to their patients, Hey, well, why don't you try cannabis? You know, maybe it'll ease some of the pain or whatever, but really don't, they don't go beyond that. Um, and so there is the sad reality is that patients that don't have a lot of resources to, to figure this out, don't have the best reference to, to gain the knowledge, to gain the access. They look towards their medical professionals and they're not willing to talk to them about it this you know we we have very few doctors that do recognize it most of them because they have seen positive results with their patients and they're turned on to it and so you know they make a little bit time during their really busy schedule to to research a little bit about it but that's just a select few so we really need to raise awareness so that we can give people uh the knowledge and resources to figure this out yeah. And that's a great point too. Um, so how primarily was Nicole using medical cannabis? Was it to sort of alleviate some of the side effects of the other treatments that she was using or was it specific, was it actually, you know, targeted to try to actually reduce tumor growth or, or anything like that? Yeah, it was, it was specifically, so we knew that, um, we, we could try to use cannabis to turn off, um, cancer cells. So mm -hmm. that was the end goal. Uh, to get to that point, 
we had to, you know, we had to slowly introduce her to cannabis. She, in Nicole's particular situation, she was very sensitive to the effect of uh, THC. Hmm. So when you have a patient that's highly susceptible to, to the psychoactive effect of cannabis, you have to move very carefully and very slowly to titrate that uh, dosage up to the levels that we thought were going to create an impact against the cancer. And usually these are levels that surpass, you know, 400 milligrams of THC on a daily basis or, wow. you know, the same amount in, in the acid uh, cannabinoid group, uh, you know, maybe a thousand milligrams of CBDA daily. So these are really high dosages to, uh, to get a patient on. If you don't know what you're doing, you can really put off the patient with a bad experience. So we had to make sure that the strains that we really understood the uh, therapeutic effect of the strains, uh, whether it was a mood enhancement um, profile or a mood depressing uh, profile uh, that would create somnolence, for example, uh, we had to figure out how to appropriately dose each formulation throughout the day so that we could cr create this as, as a functional experience for Nicole. So I was wondering if you could speak specifically about the presentation that you're going to be giving at CanMed. Give a, the listeners a little preview of what they can expect there. Sure. So we, we're going to, all the science that we have uh, researched, that we have collected to figure out this, this, um, this project, uh, we're going to explain during our presentation. I'm going to give an overview of all the identified um, mechanisms through which cannabis can turn off a cancer cell or create that program cell death, apoptosis. Uh, I'm also going to explain how we used cannabis in combination with uh, psychedelics. Uh, we use psychedelics to create, to um, uh, ameliorate um, the depression that's really tied to, to the side effect of standard cancer therapies and the prognosis of having a terminally, um, terminal, a terminal disease because Metastatic breast cancer is a, is a terminal disease. We, well, I'm going to explain how uh, psilocybin in particular has anti, possible anti-cancer mechanisms, just like uh, cannabis. And in fact, um, cannabis and psilocybin uh, signaling pathways to turn off a cancer cell interlap, uh, ironically. So I'm going to, I'm going to speak about that. And then I'm going to talk about... Uh, Nicole's case study that uh, is going through peer review uh, publication right now. What we're doing is a result of our experience. You know, we have all this wonderful knowledge. We've already uh, solved this issue in our minds, right? It's a no brainer. Cannabis needs to be in the clinic, but how are we going to do that? That's, right. that's the biggest question. So, you know, I'll, I'll explain more of the science aspect. I really wanted to hone in today and explain the social issues that are, that are around this and, and how that needs to be addressed so that we can get this into the clinics. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that you mentioned is research, right? That's one of the barriers to really getting acceptance from, you know, the greater medical community or even, you know, the society at large, right? Everyone wants to see more data, but problem with that, it's a bit of a chicken in the egg situation, right? Until we can have, you know, the legal, um, 
the legal framework opens up to allow for more research, um, we can't really generate that data. But, you know, so we're in sort of this this tough limbo right now. And luckily, we have folks like you and the other presenters at CanMed who are, are doing the best with the limited resources and support that, that they have to, um, to try to get us there. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's, it becomes a very complex project because taking cannabis, um, eventually what we want to do is provide this for everybody. And the only way that we've identified that the medical community can fully embrace this is if we take cannabis uh, formulations against cancer through the drug approval process. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a big to do. Um, sure. You know, the infrastructure to, to do that is just barely being uh, written right now. You know, you have FDA coming up with task forces that are evaluating projects like this on, a, on an individual basis because the, the rules have not been well-defined yet. And so cannabis has a lot of nuances that regular pharmaceuticals don't have to deal with. And there's a lot of heterogeneity in the compounds that a cannabis plant produces. We're producing from whole plant uh, formulations. So there's a lot of critical points to make sure that you have sustainably reproducible formulations mm -hmm. that can go through the rigor of, of FDA approval. Um, we, we've really taken this on as our mission. And so we, as a result of that, we have committed to building a team that is uh, knowledgeable enough, that it has enough resources to actually take this through the drug approval process. And so in order to do that, we had to partner up with some of the best uh, academic clinical research institutions, some of the best science uh, research institutions in the United States and in, in the UK. And, you know, with a project like this, you have to, you have to account for things like stabilization of your cannabis genetics, you know, uh, sustainably propagating your, your plants, which probably is in some sort of in vitro propagation. Uh, you have to have controlled uh, environment cultivation. You have to have the most rigorous uh, screening methods like a mass spectrometry analysis to verify that you are producing all the chemotypes uh, and all of your profiles. Um, you need to have capabilities to identify unknown cannabinoids uh, because we still don't know 100% sure. of the content uh, of, for the therapeutic compounds that come from a particular cannabis strain. And so it's, it's, it's a complex process that traditional uh, pharmaceutical, biopharmaceutical companies are really not used to. Uh, there is no precedent to, for this type of pipeline yet. So we're... We're hoping to shed light on this and really, um, you know, be successful in, in our journey. Yeah, no, you're right. Quite the undertaking. And I know on a previous podcast, I spoke with Dedi Miri, who's out in Israel and who's doing a lot of research specifically on, on cancer and treating with cannabinoids. And you mentioned that you need the capability to identify those minor cannabinoids. And if I remember correctly from my discussion with him, some of the effective cannabinoids for treating a particular type of cancer that he was talking about, they were unnamed cannabinoids that, you know, weren't even 
really in the literature aren't something that your average cannabis testing lab is, is looking for. So yeah, I would imagine that your capabilities on that side would need to be pretty, um, pretty impressive. That's correct. And, you know, luckily we have the right people in every corner to pull this together. Uh, we've partnered up with Imperial College of London. Uh, they've agreed to undertake our in vitro and in vivo studies on eight of the cannabis extracts that we've successfully reproduced um, at this point, and we, we have now tracked uh, clinically. Uh, we've partnered up with the University of Connecticut um, with uh, their organic chemistry department, uh, molecular biology department, first to figure out um, how to reproduce the chemotype that we're looking for in the plant, and then uh, how to how to um, screen for these unknown compounds that you're that you're mentioning. We we still are a long way from knowing a hundred percent of these compounds and what they do. We haven't uh, isolated most cannabinoids. We don't even know what they look like. So, you know, it's it is uh, it's it's only this is a project for only the most seasoned um, scientists to participate in because it's a, a it's a discovery all throughout uh, the journey. We, we don't we may find out about things that we didn't even think about along this journey, but mm. the commitment to to bringing these uh, medications to people is there. And we believe that we have a good shot at this. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, I think that your story is very um, emblematic of what we're, we're talking about here in CAMED because it takes a village, right? You know, you need to work with the cultivators. You need to work with the scientists, the clinicians, the laboratory professionals um, to really uh, make this thing happen. So again, that's what we're, we try to do in, in CanMed is to bring people from all the different areas of the industry together so we can kind of push this whole thing forward. So um, I and think that's a great, it's a great tie-in. No, yeah. And I'll mention this, Ben, you know, as a, as a cannabis uh, community that's focused on, on research, sometimes we're, we, we clutch onto the proprietary information that we have, right? And we right. don't want to give away your secrets and all that stuff. But, you know, if we just came together and not placed our, our projects um, as valuable, but placed the, the patient really as the valuable, as a valuable person here, you know, if we could come together and share the knowledge that we have, we could get there much easily and much quicker than, than the trend that we are on right now. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um... Great place to stop. But before I let you go, um, I want to give you a chance to share with the audience any links to learn more about you and Grace Health and Wellness, whether it's social media, your website, or any uh, publications that you guys have done. I'd be happy to include it in the show description so people can easily find you. Sure. Uh, please check out our website, gracehw.com. Uh, we have a few articles uh, that have been published on our on the work that we do. In particular, there is a as an article on, on uh, cannabis science and technology magazine of an interview that we uh, recently gave, and it just pretty much describes um, uh, all of the uh, all of the details that are that revolve around this topic. Um, you know, when when the day comes, Ben, 
that we're able to dispense these medications to people that really need them, that's the day that we'll, we'll be able to ease a lot of suffering in the world. So we'll be happy, very happy to speak about our work during the presentation at CanMed and answer any questions uh, during the conference. Excellent. Thanks again, Jamie, for, for joining us on the podcast and can't wait to see you out in Pasadena. Can't wait to see you guys out there. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Jamie Brambilla. Check out the links in the show description to learn more about the topics we discussed. And thanks again to this episode's sponsor, Grace Health and Wellness. Our next episode will drop April 27th. That's two weeks from today. And it's our last episode before our CanMed 2022 event. Again, if you haven't already bought your tickets to CanMed 2022, do so now. In the meantime, please do check out the CanMed archive and join the CanMed community Facebook group to stay connected with us. Of course, you can also stay in touch with us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Just search for CanMed events. Sign up for email alerts on canmedevents.com to stay up to date with all the latest news. And please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Doing so helps us reach more listeners. I do sincerely hope to see all of you out in Pasadena this spring. But until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and please join us for the next CanBed Coffee Talk.